Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fighting the Good Fight podcast, the show that highlights the good, the bad, and the ugly truths of the education system in America from my own personal experiences. My name is Tiana, and I am your host. The content on this podcast is my opinion and experiences as a Black woman educator. If you would like to learn more about this podcast and content related to it, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, Fighting the Good Fight 45, and visit the websites in the description box below to learn more. In today's episode, titled, My Experience with Imposter Treatment, I am going to share when I began being treated as an imposter at the workplace after expressing my whole true self. At the end of the episode, I will leave you with words of encouragement to continue fighting the good fight. So be sure to listen all the way until the end. Let's go. It was the summer of 2019 when I attended our local mayor's town hall meeting to address the concerns of the black community from my small city. After our city just experienced a black man being killed by a local police officer, the tragedy of losing a local citizen that meant so much to many came off the hills of so many other killings of black men at the hands of the police in the United States. In 2019 alone, according to the USA Today article dated June 23rd of 2020, U.S. police killed eight unarmed black men in 2019. Losing this many black men was traumatic to the black community and community as a whole. Our small city, too, experienced a tragedy of losing a black man the year of 2019 at the hands of the United States police. During that summer day at the town hall, the audience members had an opportunity to share their perspectives about our community's issues to the mayor. It was then, as a member in the community, a citizen, I decided to speak my truth to the mayor. My truth was, and still is, black people are disproportionately discriminated against by the law enforcement in America. I believe there are ways to address diversity and increase inclusion efforts if people in power are more intentional. When it was my turn to speak, I impassionately grabbed the mic and informed the mayor of an approach that could be taken to address intercultural competency among the local police department, falling back on my life's mission, which is to build inclusive communities. I informed the mayor that an inventory could be administered that would provide feedback and data to the executive team. From there, the team could reorganize their police department based on the intercultural competence of the staff. This could lend itself to building inclusive communities within the city. I also informed the mayor that as a black mother raising three sons, it was unjust that I have to teach my sons every day what to do if they encounter a police officer. As a member in the community and a mother of black males, a sister, a daughter, granddaughter, cousin, aunt, teacher to black males, I felt I had a right and an obligation to express my opinion about my concerns about the racial injustices in America and in our own community. I mean, let's keep it real. Shortly after that time period, according to the Pew Research Center's June 3, 2020 article titled 10 Things We Know About Race and Policing in the United States, the number one thing they list is a majority of both black and white Americans say black people are treated less fairly than whites in dealing with the police and by the criminal justice system as a whole. In a 2019 center survey, 
84% of Black adults said that in dealing with police, Blacks are generally treated less fairly than whites. 63% of whites said the same. Similarly, 87% of Blacks and 61% of whites said that the United States criminal justice system treats Black people less fairly. And the article continues with more data. But bottom line is, Black people are mistreated by police in our country, and it hit home the summer of 2019. That day in June of 2019, I had a right and an obligation to speak up for myself, my sons, my Black students, and my community. Again, our community just experienced a Black man being killed by an officer from our local police department. Could there have been a different way for the officer to intervene to save the man's life? Did racial bias get in the way of the decision to use excessive force? These are questions one ponders as a black person in America when the data shows we are discriminated against. I can only assume because of my status as a principal at a local middle school that my thoughts and opinions about the racial injustices against black Americans were not aligned with the vision of the school district. During the next school year, not too long after I spoke at the town hall and continued to attend protests in support of the black man that lost his life and in support of racial injustices against black Americans, I began experiencing being treated as an imposter at the workplace. Once I entered the political space, a space in which I belonged as a citizen of the United States and a black woman, I began to get targeted by many people within the district. Elizabeth Leibel explains in her book, I'm Not Yelling, that imposter treatment, a phenomenon, is described as receiving negative treatment, experiencing systemic biases or exclusion efforts, creation of a toxic work environment, othering, explicitly or implicitly telling you that you don't belong, you're not worthy as a majority, and you are an imposter. Up to this point, I had been employed with the school district for several years and was well-received by many of my colleagues, staff, family, students, and other stakeholders. I was known for always being the educator that was creative, innovative, assertive, authentic, caring, and results-driven. But the moment I, as a Black woman, spoke my truth and challenged the local structures and decision-making in my community because it was impacting me negatively, I began experiencing a variety of negative mistreatments, ranging from gaslighting to exclusion to creation of a hostile work environment to othering. I was unable to show up as my whole professional self and practice full employee engagement. Instead of being supported during a traumatic time for Black America, especially in our local community, I instead was targeted and excluded from being treated justly. And the negative treatment only continued after the murder of George Floyd in May of 2020, another difficult time for Black America. The treatment I experienced led me to feel like an imposter at times. There were times I experienced imposter syndrome, the feeling that I was not good enough to do my job effectively, and that I was going to be found out as a fraud. But as Elizabeth Liba states in her book, I'm Not Yelling, quote, after putting my experience into context, I decided to stop referring to myself as having imposter syndrome. The truth of the matter was that I didn't feel like an imposter. I had been treated like one. I had internalized the message that I was a fraud when I was actually black girl magic personified, unquote. The day I spoke my truth at the town hall was liberating and overdue. The oppression I experienced calls on me to speak my truth. I feel it necessary for those that share spaces with me, hear the perspective of many black people in America. Many people are still in denial that black people are still being discriminated against in subtle ways. 
Many black people don't discuss this because of fear of retaliation, but it is happening across many sectors. In the Key Thought Bridge report prepared by the Key Thought Bridge LLC and released in 2011 to the school district I was employed with, found that African-American principals within the district felt they were being mistreated. I too felt I was being treated unfairly eight years later. And again, the treatment began after expressing my whole true self at the town hall. When trying to explain these feelings to my superiors, I was always gaslighted or ignored and instead penalized for expressing my concerns of mistreatment. I was made to feel like an imposter. By the year of 2021, even though I continued to experience microaggressions and othering, I continued to advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts in an effort to disrupt the persistent academic and behavioral disparities and to disrupt the structural barriers that were present among the educational system. During the two-year span of being treated as an imposter, it made me begin to reflect on how many Black educators are experiencing the same types of discriminatory behaviors from their colleagues as many Black students experience from their teachers or other adults in the school community. The Associated Press, May 23rd of 2023 article titled, Racism Starts Before Kids Even Start School, It's Driving a Major Mental Health Crisis, explains, Black children's first encounters with racism can start before they are even in school, and Black teenagers report experiencing an average of five instances of racial discrimination per day. Not only are many of our Black students made to feel like imposters, many Black educators are made to feel like imposters too, when instead our voices and ways of living should be embraced to foster a better society for all. When I spoke up in June of 2019, I should have never been made to feel like an imposter by a community that claims to care for all. I am not an imposter, but a skilled, dedicated educator that knows how to positively change the trajectory of school communities. I have made many positive impacts on children's lives like so many other women in educational leadership. I have always been up for the challenge to do whatever it takes to change a school district's practices and procedures for the betterment of the community in which it serves. But what I have come to realize as a black woman leader in education is that as I continue to move up in leadership and show up in my true self in many spaces, I am not always welcomed by all and continue to experience othering and label negative stereotypes like too dominant, aggressive, rude, or unprofessional. There are many black women in leadership positions that feel the same. Many black women are afraid to show up in their true self and hide who they are for fear of judgment that would impact their quality of life. Being true to yourself, especially at the workplace, takes a sense of courage and vulnerability. Our experiences as black women is different in the world and we should be able to express it openly and be accepted by all for our differing opinions, views, and ways of being without judgment and ridicule. Honoring diversity has proven positive results and McKinsey's January 1st, 2015 article titled Why Diversity Matters supports this fact through its research. Let me leave you with this, my beautiful black women in leadership that are determined, pure, resilient, authentic, and caring. After years of hard work and earning your credentials, never believe you are an imposter. Never believe you are not good enough to do the work you were destined to do. You have earned respect and are deserving to have a seat at the table and have the power to create your own table for the betterment of society. 
Those fighting against the systemic barriers that exist in our society, thank you for being consistent and courageous to challenge the status quo and create new unconventional approaches to living fair and just. Until next time, thank you to the listening audience for checking out the Fighting the Good Fight podcast and tune into our next episode, Pockets of Success, where we will explore my experience with evidence-based practices that have proven positive results in school communities. If you have a story you'd like to share about the adversities you have faced, please feel free to drop a comment below or email me at fightingthegoodfight45 at gmail.com to have your story referenced on the show. Thank you.